And uh, there's been some scares since then. You know, there's been, uh, you know, some things that have gone on that were pretty scary. Uh, but we just keep plugging away because, listen, you know, it's one of those, what, what do you do? You can either fold it in and, and you know, and cry and, well, it was me or you, you keep pressing on. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. Well, hello and welcome back to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This is Pastor Adam with you, and uh, we are very privileged once again to be joining you uh, from this recorded Zoom session and uh, joining you once again on this Tuesday to share a testimony from one of our fellowship pastors. It's been uh, been a few weeks since we uh, since we went live, and we are very pleased to be joined by Pastor Myron Levitt pastoring in Sanford, Florida. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you, Pastor Adam. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you for making the time to join us and do this. Um, you were gracious enough to invite me to come and preach for you a couple of weeks back, and we had a great time there in Sanford. Why don't, why don't you tell us the uh, the inside scoop, you and your wife, and how long you've been there, and give us the conference-style report. Gotcha, yeah. So we were launched out of a 2017 August Bible Conference, uh, we came into Sanford in um, April of 2018, uh, started in our home, and we were, um, you know, really kind of started having people right away. Uh, within about three months, we were looking for a building. Uh, it was very, it was very difficult to find a building here in the area. Uh, any buildings that we were finding, uh, the, the landlord wasn't allowing it if we the landlord allowed then the city wouldn't allow it and so uh we actually went back to conference in um august of 2018 and was challenged in the area of world evangelism and when we came back the same day we got back from conference because of the i, I really believe it was because of the offering that we gave in world evangelism uh, there was a building uh, sitting open, big uh, for rent sign right out front. So I stopped in, uh, talked to the gentleman. He was more than welcome, uh, uh, willing to uh, rent to a church. It was a small building, um, but <clears throat> it was one of those deals where we're like, "Hey, it's an open building. Let's get started. Let's do this." And you know, and um, in the process of getting the building locked down, it was a thousand square foot, so it was a, it was a very small uh, facility. Uh, another building came open uh, right down the road, which ended up being about 2,500 square feet. And uh, so uh, making a long story short, uh, we were able to get into that facility. We, uh, it's, a, it's two units. One was a thousand square foot. The other is 1,500 square feet. We do the, the uh, sanctuaries, a 1,500 square foot side. And then we have 
our uh, mini concert scene uh, in the other side as well as we use it kind of as a multi-purpose room. And uh, so, uh, like I said, we started out, had uh, probably about 15 people coming when we got into our building and uh, uh, they helped us get into the building and then they one by one just kind of dropped off and vanished. I'm sure you heard <laughs> that quite a bit. And uh, so, uh, you know, we, we just kept on, kept on, kept it on. And, and uh, we were able to, by the grace of God, lots of guerrilla teams, lots of help from uh, other churches, you know, so grateful for our mother church only about two hours away. And they were uh, more than willing to send guerrilla teams down very often. And uh, so uh, in the past uh, three and a half, four years, uh, you know, God is really helping us build a, a pretty solid core and, um, you know, believing God for some disciples to raise up. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been a wonderful time. We've had, we just had a, a great time and God's really, really helping us. Amen. That's so encouraging. Well, uh, I, I was encouraged uh, just from being there for the few days that I was there with you uh, after the Pioneer Rally in Jacksonville. And uh, it appears that, that God is doing some good things. Uh, we happened to be there in a time when it seemed like there was some, uh, some crazy stuff going on uh, with one of the families in your church there. So you were having to deal with that and scramble. So, uh, but, you know, God is always moving through the midst of it. And uh, yeah. That's kind. Of, that's kind of the uh, the mo for Pioneer Works. I think crazy. That exactly. that pro- you probably can't uh, describe pioneering any more than that. Crazy. You you, <laughs> you never know. And I, I shared some stories with you while you were here. Uh, just some crazy things that we've that we've gone through while being here. You know, and this is this is not our our first Pioneer work. We've actually uh, pioneered two other works, and we assisted in uh, Jacksonville. For a few uh, years as well, and so, uh, but this has definitely uh, been the 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 craziest um, circumstances, things that we've faced uh, here in Sanford. Well, I, I would love to hear some of those, but before we get to that, we uh, what we love to do here in this podcast is you know get the full version, the the luxury of having a uh, the time um, of a podcast w- without the you know constraints of even a, a sermon, we, we get to go back and, and hear the, the full story. And so um, we, we'd love to hear kind of uh, where you grew up, where, what's your family history, what's your background like? So I was, uh, I was raised in, or actually born in liberal Kansas, but uh, spent all of my youth and teenage years in a little tiny town in Idaho called Notus, N-O-T-U-S. Uh, 450 people, uh, you know, we didn't have a stoplight. Uh, I think we, we think we had one stop sign, uh, two little grocery stores, a tiny little place. Uh, my father, his uh, side of the family uh, were Mormon. Uh, even to this day, uh, many of uh, the Levitt side there, you know, if you check and do any research, uh, on the the uh, the Mormon Church, you'll see that there's a lot of Levitts involved there. And so, uh, grew up. Uh, my dad had me had all of us kids, you know, going to the uh, the Mormon Church. And uh, even though uh, my dad was not a a good Mormon, he was like they they call it Jack Mormon. Um, he uh, you know he was uh, 
uh, he was a, a drunk. Uh, he was a, uh, a violent man when he would get drunk. And um, so dealing with that a lot growing up and uh, a lot of, um, uh, you know, I, I hate to use the word abuse because he didn't know any better. He grew up in a very, very difficult home where his dad committed suicide when my dad was, I think, 12 years old. And there he was the oldest of six boys. Wow. And so at 12 years old, he had to leave school and go into the workforce to provide finances for their, uh, for their family. And uh, so him not really having a dad, did, he didn't really know how to be a dad. And um, so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't hold that against him. I think that he did the best he knew how to. And, um, you know, uh, he, my dad actually got saved in his latter years. Uh, and I mean, it was a, a miraculous conversion. Wow. Like I said, he was a, uh, you know, a, a drunk. A, uh, he was a four pack a day smoker. Um, and my dad, he, when he got sent, he, he was, like I said, a very rough guy. Uh, and he got saved. And I'll tell you in a moment of time, he, he, he uh, never touched alcohol again, wow. uh, put the cigarettes down. Uh, my mom had gotten saved. Uh, she was raised, you know, pseudo Baptist, I guess. I don't know what you would call it, but, uh, you know, at least a knowledge of, of God, uh, but obviously not living it whatsoever. Uh, so they got saved. That was really my first, um, uh, experience with the gospel and, um, seeing their, the change, the dramatic change in their lives really got my, my life kind of, uh, pointed in that direction in high school. I was, you know, a, uh, you know, played football, uh, actually had a, a scholarship to play, uh, college football. Uh, but in the process of, of that, I was dating a girl, um, and, uh, she had made mention that she was interested in going in the military. And I'm like, wow, maybe I could go in the military as well. And uh, so we, uh, we went, she, her uncle was a recruiter for the Navy. And uh, so we, we went over and talked to him and he's like, yeah, we can get you guys in there. We can send you guys in on the buddy program. And that means that you guys would go to boot camp together. Now you wouldn't be in the same company, but you would, you know, still see each other you know, and then you would get to go to the first duty station together. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And she's like, yeah, that sounds great. And um, so uh, we, uh, you know, I said, well, there's, there's one problem. I've got a, I've got, a, I've got a scholarship to play football. Uh, and, uh, and he said, well, why don't you, you don't want to play football for the Navy? And I said, uh, See, let me get this right. I can be in the Navy and play football for the Navy. And uh, he said, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, well, where do I sign up at? Yeah, who and wouldn't said, do that? Yeah, I, I said, I'm ready. Let's do this. And she's like, me too. Let's do this. And so I sign up and, and he said, yeah, just take your best, uh, your best um, games with you on, on video and to boot camp. And as soon as you get there, give it to the company commanders and they'll get it in the right hands. And and I'm like, wow, this is going to be amazing. I get to play football and serve my country. And so um, 
kind of a funny story is that uh, the girl backed out. Uh, that's the easy way to say it. She uh, never did sign the paperwork. And um, obviously, you guys can probably tell that uh, wasn't the sharpest uh, a knife in the drawer. So uh, she disappeared. I went in the Navy, took my videos with me to boot camp. And uh, uh, <laughs> um, the first thing they do when they get you to boot camp is they dump out all of your belongings onto the floor and start going through it. There are things you just can't bring to boot camp. And he sees these two VHS tapes and he said, uh, he said, boy, what are you trying to do? Bring some porno into, into boot camp? And I said, no, sir. Those are my those are my football tapes, sir. He goes, what football tapes? I said, my recruiter said if I bring them to you, I'd get them in your hand and I could play football for the Navy. He said, you ain't real smart, are you, son? And I said, <laughs> no, sir, I guess I'm not, sir. And so anyway, went on and uh, went, you know, in the uh, in the Navy, went to boot camp, uh, went to um, uh to uh, fire, uh, fire training in Norfolk for a while and ended up in Scotland. Uh, and there in Scotland, I actually ran a, uh, into a, a, some Christians, on fire Christians who were making a stand for God on the base and out in town. And, and uh, I was just enamored by their boldness. And, and uh, so I, I began to talk to them. They said, yeah, why don't you come hang out with us? And so uh, I ended up getting saved over in Scotland, got baptized in uh, the, uh, the snow runoff from the mountains, uh, freezing cold. And uh, I was actually had gone over there for the sole purpose of, um, of shutting down the base. And so uh, when time came that all of us on that ship were getting new orders, almost all of them were kind of going right across the uh, the, the bow to a, another ship that we were attached to. Uh, but I got orders to uh, the USS Saratoga in Mayport, Florida. And uh, so I ended up going to Mayport and uh, long story short, ended up a, a temporary duty over at NES Jacks where I run into Pastor Meyer and a couple of others doing a base outreach. And uh, long story short, uh, I got in, I, I went to their church. It was a tiny church, uh, you know, pioneer work. And I'm like, this is, this is what I want to be a part of. And, um, you know, uh, I, I just, uh, you know, felt at home, uh, Pastor Meyer, Miss Bridget, they, uh, really honestly welcomed me in as a son. And, uh, you know, that was in January of 1992. And uh, so I've been a part of the Jacksonville Church since then. Like I said, you know, I've uh, pioneered a couple of churches, uh, one in Palatka, Florida, another one in, uh, in Atlantic Beach. Uh, and then I've also uh, assisted in the Jacksonville Church as well. Wow. So I was, uh, we were, my wife and I uh, were the uh, first door directors in the church, and uh, I would like to say the first failing door directors in the uh, in the church, and uh, that's a high had, distinct honor. That's right, highly distinctive. Yeah, Let me, I, I showed everybody how not to do it, and uh, then we were the first church that got launched out. And again, 
was great at uh, showing everyone how not to pioneer the first church. And uh, so, uh, but you know, God helped us. It was a good time. And uh, we were able to, um, you know, uh, get, you know, many people saved there. And, and uh, there, there were some things kind of on the background that, that uh, we had to actually shut the church down. But, um, you know, we were able to go on to Atlantic Beach and, and uh, pioneer work there that's still active. Uh, uh, Pastor Darren Walker took it over from us. And uh, I mean, he just has done an amazing job there. Uh, very, uh, very powerful church, baby churches out of that. Uh, so uh, it's been, a, you know, it's been a, it's been a wild ride. We've had, we've had a, an amazing time. Yeah, well, you've uh, you've been through a lot already, and uh, I wanted to go back and ask you a few questions. Um, so, regarding your your upbringing, you said that your your dad um, was a uh, you said a Jack Mormon, so a Mormon who wasn't very serious about his Mormonism. But I wonder what what effect uh, the the reason I'm curious about it is because we we have pastors. You'd be surprised at the the diverse background of the mm-hmm. pastors that I've interviewed. Uh, and, you know, going all the way from, uh, from a Hindu background to atheists, um, obviously a lot of back, backsliding Christians, um, but I think you might be the first with a Mormon background. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just curious, um, you know, what effect that had on your upbringing and, and you know, what effect do you think that has had on you, uh, if any, uh, in, in your life currently? Well, I think... Um... Probably the big. We grew up on uh, on a ranch, uh, and then so with my dad not being really serious about it, I think he was trying his best, the best way he knew, to get some kind of a godly influence into our lives. Uh, my mom really didn't have much of an influence uh, that way, but um, uh, I think he was trying his best. I think he just he, he was trying all he knew to try to help his kids not grow up like he was and get some kind of a godly influence into our lives. And, um, you know, but it's very difficult when somebody is sending you off to the Mormon church and then you're walking, you're coming home and you're finding something that's completely opposite of what they're trying to teach you uh, to live. And so I'll be honest with you. I think the biggest thing was it was a, more of a hindrance to me serving God than anything, because that's, that's hypocrisy. And it's very difficult to make, make decisions for God when the only influence you've ever seen in your life was somebody who was a bad influence in their Christianity. And so, you know, we went to all of the, you know, we, growing up, we, we went to all the the schools and the, you know, the uh, different, um, dances and all those kinds of things while we were going to stake dances and those kind of things. But it, you know, it was, it just, it just didn't ring true to me. And I remember in Scotland, uh, I was there and, you know, really the first time you're away from home for any extended time. And uh, I think that's why we do so well with military because you're kind of a you're you're away from the influence of your family and you can st- actually start thinking a little bit for yourself. And uh, and I I remember you know being in the the on the ship there and thinking if that if that is if that's Christianity, I I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, but but I prayed and I said God if 
you know, if there's, if there's any truth to it, I'm, I'm looking, I need something. I just don't know what it is. And, um, you know, and because God is so good, his grace, his mercy, he puts me right on the path of some, of some people who are really on fire for God. And then, and then of course, putting me on the path of pastor Meyer, uh, the pastor that I needed, uh, I, I needed somebody who, um, you know, is not going to, uh, you know, uh, cower, I guess, under the, you know, uh, you know, under a vo very outspoken person, but somebody can give me some direction and some uh, clear discipleship. Because once I got saved, the problem was I had no direction whatsoever in my life. And, um, but I, but, you know, that's, that's what, there's one thing about our churches is we get direction quick. We begin to, to figure out exactly where we want to go, what we want to do, and somebody willing to help us get there. Yeah, that's wonderful. And um, when, when you came in to uh, the church, it was pretty fresh on the ground, wasn't it? It was. They actually were launched in 89. Um, they, and they, when they got there, they, they instantly got people coming. I mean, uh, Pastor Meyer, Miss Bridget, uh, they, they had their own band. I mean, literally, as soon as they showed up, they have their own band, right? And uh, so, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Jeremy is on the drums, Pastor played bass, uh, you know, it sounds like a country song. Uh, uh, you know, you've got um, Bridget on keyboards. Uh, they had another young guy played, uh, played the guitar. And uh, so uh, they had a, a band like instantly. So they had people coming. But uh, unfortunately, you know, there, some of them were religious and they ended up pulling out most of the church. It was actually the day before I showed up. And so like the week before I showed up, they had like 30 people. And the morning I showed up for the first time, they had uh, like his family and one or two other people. And uh, so uh, I, I still remember, uh, you know, the, the very first sermon he that I ever heard him preach uh I had no idea any of this stuff had even happened I'm, I'm just showing up to church for the first time and he preaches this sermon um you know out of Acts chapter 5 when he, he's he's a, a you know just preaching hey, if this is God it's going to work but if it's not God it's going to fall apart and uh and uh, you know I, I had no idea any of this was going on but I was just I was just like man this is this is what I want to be a part of I want to be a part of building something, I want to be a part of a church that's doing something because you're in and out of so many, especially with the military, you're, you know, from base to base, you're in and out of churches. They're not doing anything. They're, they're holding church services. Nobody knows each other. There's no relationships, but I get here. And then it's like instantly, I feel like these folks want to do something for God. And uh, so um, it was, it was kind of funny because I, I get there and I am this corn-fed, uh, you know, country boy, and uh, it's not, I bet, a month, and pastor's like, hey, you want to be in a rap group? And I'm like, I have no idea. I don't <laughs> even, I, I, I uh, sure, I guess, yeah. And so um, we go, we go out into this little tiny park across from the military base and only two people showed up for this concert that we're doing this, you know, rap concert and cheesy little drama that we put together. And one of those people uh, was my future wife. 
And so in 1992, uh, she comes and uh, she had as well just recently gotten saved. And she was so excited about young people doing something for God. She started coming to church. And, uh, you know, we, you know, we, we obviously became friends long before we dated. Uh, but, you know, we, we got we got married in December of 1993 and have been obviously married and, uh, you know, had have had two sons and, and, uh, it's been, it's just been a great time. Wow. Well, so that, that's, uh, that's something about pastor Meyer that, uh, that I can say, um, you know, observing him and his ministry is that he, he's always had a powerful call, um, you know, direction for, for people that are under his leadership. And, and, uh, you got to see that very early on one of the very first, or, you know, in, in the life of that church. And it's been, gosh, 30 years. Is yeah. that right? Public yeah. Matthews Angels. Yeah. Yeah. 30 years, of, 30 years yeah. of being under his ministry. And um, uh, why don't you talk about your perspective for, you know, for those of us who have, you know, in, in the Chandler wing, you know, we know Pastor Myers out there in, in Florida. And obviously I'm over here on the East Coast also. But, but um, you know, a lot of people don't fully appreciate, you know, what he does, what, what the ministry of Jacksonville church is all about. Maybe you can, you can share with us a little bit about what that means to you. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing about it is, uh, he practiced on, he practiced discipleship on me for the first, uh, good couple of years. You know, we look back. You have to be the we yeah. We look back now and we laugh and we're like, he, he, he's even told me before, it's amazing that you made it. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. All right, we've got a special promotion for the faithful listeners of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Here's the deal, Jack. (laughs) We're taking an impact team to Pastor Paul and Deanna Alvarez in Lima, Peru. (laughs) They let us know that they need some equipment. We'd like to give you a chance to help us buy them a new iPad and a new smart TV for their children's church. 
Our goal is to raise $1,000 for these items, and we think you'd like to help. So here's what we're offering. So here's what we came up with, guys. When you donate $30 or more to this fund, uh, you're going to get a six-month subscription to the premium podcast at no additional cost. And when you donate $50 or more, then we're going to give you a full year. How about that? Yeah. You'll get all the benefits of our premium sermon podcast, which means daily sermons, interruption-free listening, and zero commercials. We'll get new subscribers out of it, and Pastor Alvarez will get some new equipment to help with what God is doing there. Uh, We think it's a (laughs) win-win-win. This promotion will only last until our impact team, which is happening toward the end of June, so don't miss this opportunity. But wait, Pastor Adam, Dave, what if, what if I'm already a premium subscriber? I'm so glad you asked. Well, so we are going to pass to you, those of you who are already paying for a subscription, we can give you a gift subscription that you can pass on to somebody else out there who always wanted to subscribe but never got around to it for whatever reason. Right. So all of the links will be in the show notes. And we look forward to being a blessing to you and to Pastor Paul in the coming weeks. Thanks, guys. And, uh, you know, uh, because really back then, you know, we were, he, you know, he was learning. I, I didn't have any idea what it meant to be a disciple. You know, I, I just, I just wanted to do something for God. And so, uh, I made, I made so many mistakes and, and, uh, I remember the first, uh, the, <laughs> the first music scene that I got to do the altar call in. And uh, I mean, we're, this would have been in 1992. So, um, you know, we do the, the music scene and, and uh, I, I play no instruments. I can sing. I can't sing a lick, but they put me in the band and, and uh, you know, and, and taught me how to play the tambourine. And that was that was the you know, uh, that was my that was my ministry. And, um, you know, looking back at it now, I realize it was because he was trying to get me to a position in ministry that he could work with me and hold me accountable. And, um, but, uh, the first altar call that I pulled, I'll be honest with you, man. I thought I was hitting hot licks. I thought, man, this is, this is probably the greatest altar call in all time. And, uh, I get off of the, I get off of the stage and obviously I was, uh, <clears throat> had some pride issues. And, uh, so I get off the stage, you know, and, and I don't even know, I don't remember if anybody got saved. Um, you know, I just got off of there and I'm like, man, he's, he's going to tell me how great that was. And, uh, so, you know, we're kind of packing up, getting ready for, you know, for church the next morning. I'm like, well, pastor, what'd you, what'd you think of my altar call? Cause I, I you know, I, I thought he was going to be, he was going to meet me at the, at the, at the edge of the platform and tell me what an amazing job it was. And, uh, he says, well, n- if next time maybe it could be biblical, that would be great. <laughs> 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 so, uh, so, you know, uh, and again, you know, being, I don't want to say the first disciple because Pastor Jeremy was the, the first disciple, um, but probably the, the first 
first one to come out out of the you know out the base and and make some decisions for God. And there there were some other guys coming, but they were just kind of um, you know here and there they'd pop in pop out. But uh, I, I tell you, is the thing I think that that drew me to that church was the genuineness. You could tell that. Pastor and Miss Bridget, they just simply loved people. Uh, and, you know, I know I'm probably a little biased, but I think he's, he's the greatest preacher. You know, uh, I love to listen to him, to him preach. I love to, to, you know, to pick his brain on sermons. But um, the, the thing that really probably gets me the most about him that people don't really see is just his heart for people. I mean, he he goes out of his way to reconcile people. Uh, honestly, people that I would have been like, and I have told him before, you need to just kick this guy out of church. He's, he, he, every time he shows up, he just, he, he pulls people, he messes people up. He, you just need to kick him out of church. And he'll say, yeah, yeah, you're, you're probably right. But let's give him one more chance. And, you know, and, and some of those people are still in the church today, those people who he could, he would have been justified to just, you know, boot and be like, hey, you know, this is not going to work. But those are all those also the people who are his strongest supporters are those that he that he's just he's just taken by the hand and said, let's let's one more round. Let's take it one more round. Let's let's see what God will do. Wow. Yeah, that, that's so wonderful to hear, to see people up close, you know, that, that uh, you know, we see people on the stage preaching messages in conference, and you don't realize that, you know, that's, that's not the sum of the man. That's, that's only the product of, of, you know, countless hours of prayer room meetings and decisions in the, in the secret place that, yeah. that brought him to that. So, yeah, we have, we also have great respect for him and, and all of our leaders really in, in the fellowship. And so it's, it's wonderful to see that, that, you know, that you've had the opportunity to see that up front from the beginning of the Jacksonville church is pretty powerful and to yeah. see what it, what it has grown into. And um, ha, can, can you um, share with our audience um, how, how many churches are out of Jacksonville now? Oh my, well, I think, I think it's 18 um, but that's counting baby churches and grandbaby churches. I think it's 18. Um, sorry, I, I probably, I, I've got the list that I pray for them, but I don't have the number with me. I'm sorry. I think it's 18 though. Yeah. Well, and, and probably you, you've got a, a great sense of, of satisfaction with that too, because you've been a part of almost every single one of those, correct? Every, yep. Everyone. Yeah. And that, that is, you know, and, I, and I've actually preached on the blessing of longevity in a church because uh, every, every baby church, you know, we watched their, uh, their, their pastors come in and get saved. And most of them, we were able to see, um, the couples get married in church or they came in as a couple and their, their, their marriages were just a disaster. And we were able to watch God put all of this back together again. And, uh, so it's, you know, it's, one of the greatest things I think is when we get to go and visit um, and like, we'll see the, the choir, you know, get up and sing or whatever. And we'll be like, gosh, you know, we were, we were involved in youth ministry and children's ministry for many, many years. 
and and just watch and, and see how many of the uh, the the kids are the young adults now uh, that are in the adult choir up there singing or doing special music and and uh, you know it's just it's just such a blessing to be a part of a church um, and I know not everybody gets that opportunity to have the same pastor for you know for thirty years um, I I understand that's that's few and far between but man what a blessing it is to be a part of a ministry for that long yeah that's awesome. Um, what, what I'd like to ask about next is, is your decision to, uh, to go into pastoral ministry. Um, it sounds like pretty early on that you were kind of in the flow and pastor was experimenting on discipleship <laughs> with you. Right. <laughs> so, right. so when did you uh, kind of determine that that was the, the path that you were going to go toward? Well, you know, I had actually, when I'd gotten saved over in Scotland, um, I, I felt the calling of God even there, but I had no idea how I would even get there, you know. Um, and so when I when I came to the church Victory Chapel in uh, in Orange Park at that time, I I saw a, a person who had a clear path on how to get me to where I believe God wanted me to get get to, you know. And uh, and it wasn't without a fight, you know. I was uh, I, I had mentioned to you that. I was in the Navy and uh, I had been temporarily sent to Naval Air Station Jacksonville where I met pastor and started going to church there. And uh, I was there because I had um, a heart issue, a heart, a heart murmur issue. And uh, so in, uh, in the process of going there to get that checked out, I ran into them uh, and started going to church with them. And uh, so I was, and your listeners, whoever was in the military is going to have a really hard time believing this, but uh, I just set my mind I, that I'm not going to, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to stay right here. Uh, I have no problem serving in the military, but I believe God wants me to stay here and be a, a disciple and an armor bearer for our pastor and, uh, and help build a church. And uh, so 13 times, I had orders to go back to sea and 13 times I did not go. I, and uh, again, I would like to, uh, you know, just um, encourage uh, any active duty people. You make sure you pray <laughs> about this before you just, you know, miss ships movement or go AWOL. But um, uh, it's part of my testimony. You know, I, I mean, 13 times I, I had orders to go to another ship, be it in, Norfolk or, or Norfolk or over and, um, you know, even in Mayport or whatever, but I'm just like, no, God, you know, I believe God must be to stay right here. And the last time uh, I were supposed to go back to the uh, USS Saratoga and I'm, I'm just going to work every day like I normally do at the NES Jacks. I was working in the first lieutenant's office. I was actually running the first lieutenant's office. And, uh, and I got a phone call from the ship that said, we are pulling out tomorrow. You are supposed, you were supposed to be here a week ago. Where are you? And I said, well, obviously, you know, that I'm at the first lieutenant's office at NES Jacks because that's where you called me. They're like, why aren't you here? And I said, well, because I want to stay here. And they, you know, <laughs> there were probably, crazy. there were probably a few 
explicit you know uh, words uh dropped about that point and they said don't move a muscle we're sending a van to pick you up right now i'm like all right so i called pastor meyer on the phone i said pastor sounds like the gig is up they're coming they're sending a van they are ticked i don't know what's gonna happen and and pastor's like man all right well let's pray, you know, and so we prayed on the phone, and I'll be honest with you, I just went back to my room, packed all my stuff up, and waited for the van to show up, and the van never showed up, and uh, so I just went to work the next day like I normally did, and finished out the rest of my Navy career on NES Jacks, never got another call, never got another order, Uh, the only time I went back to Naval Station Mayport was to actually check out of the Navy. That is so wild, I, I, uh, it's it's got to be God because yeah, <laughs> yeah. How, how in the world uh, how long were you in the Navy uh, four years well lo- long enough that you should have gone somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah well it, you know that was kind of the deal you know because I've been to Scotland I'd been already stationed on the Saratoga so I, I already had been there uh, for a few months when I when I came across the the issue with my the heart murmur and and uh, you know they they quickly uh, took care of that with some medication and and uh, they were ready for me to go back to uh, to the fleet. And and uh, on the on the first lieutenant, what we did was we renovated buildings. There were old old buildings. There was you know it was a World War II um, base, and so all the buildings were very old. And so uh, I was actually running a team renovating these buildings. And in one day, I was picking up these old steam radiators, put them in the truck to go get them uh, sandblasted, and uh, I throughout my back and uh, long, you know, long story short, uh, I actually uh, blew out some discs in my back. And so um, I ended up having to go to Bethesda, Maryland to a specialist there. And they decided, you know, yeah, you're going to have to have surgery on this. It's not going to, you know, this, this is not going to get better on its own. Physical therapy is not going to work. You have to get surgery. So I came back uh, to NAS Jacks and um, there was, I was actually, um, I, I, it was bad enough that I, that I was actually dragging one leg, um, because the injury was so bad. And, um, about maybe eight months after the injury, there was, uh, a pastor Campbell revival and, uh, he, you know, he sees me kind of hobbling along and, you know, he, he makes the call for anybody with back injuries that, you know, let's, let's pray, let's believe God. And, and I was instantaneously healed. And, uh, I mean, he even said, Hey, let's find some, something heavy to pick up. And, and, uh, the only thing heavy we could find to pick up was another guy. So, uh, you know, picked him up, you know, just to prove God did a miracle. And, uh, I went back to the Navy. I said, Hey, God healed me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. Look, I'm bending them. I can pick stuff up. And they're like, sure. God healed you. Okay. You know, and it was one of those type of things. So, Wow. So, um, so when you, uh, when you got out of the Navy then, and you, you were staying there in Jacksonville and, um, and at some point you made a decision to pursue this calling that, uh, you, you saw a path forward. Um, and you were kind of the, like you said, the test case there for for Pastor Meyer. So, um, so tell us about that experience and what it was like. Yeah, so the, the the first church we pioneered again was a little town in Florida called Palatka. It's uh, at that time was the poorest county in Florida. Uh, we uh, uh, started out in our home very quickly. Um, 
you know, started looking for a building and we found a old funeral home that had been shut down and uh, it was, it was set, it was per- set up perfect for a church. Uh, you know, it already had the, um, you know, the, the sanctuary part, it already had a stage built. Now, of course, the stage had a spot where you would put a casket, but, you know, we kept, were able to work that. Um, uh, the doors were like eight foot tall, four foot wide, because you, so they could roll the, uh, the caskets in and out. And, and um, the, the casket storage room was actually turned into our nursery. And uh, the, there was, you know, it was an office there. So we had, you know, a couple nurseries and stuff. So it worked out really well. Um, we, we, when we got there, we started cleaning everything up, obviously, and painting everything. And uh, there was one room all the way in the back uh, that we didn't know what it was for. It's just a white tiled room. And, and uh, so we started, uh, there was a huge safe in there. We couldn't get it open. We didn't know what was in there. So we we're just going to move it clean behind it. And when we pulled it away from the wall, there were um, all of these autopsy photos. And so we realized that we are actually standing in the medical examiner's office where he did the, uh, the autopsies. And so we used a lot of bleach in that room and, uh, you know, a disinfectant. Uh, uh, but, you know, it was, uh, it was again, one of those uh, just doing what we do, just going out. And uh, I wasn't, I was young. I didn't, have really any experience uh and we you know we collected some religious people here and there we got people saved but we you know three times we actually had our uh, we'd have 20 people 25 people show up and uh, a religious person would come in and instead of being wise and you know watching them I just was like oh they want to come on outreach oh they want to give oh this is amazing right on you know and uh, three times they ripped off the, everybody in the church. And so we have to start from the beginning again and start building it back up again. But uh, that definitely helped me learn for the future uh, to keep a very close eye on religious people. And uh, even, even to this day, uh, you know, if, I, if a religious person comes in, I'm like, hey, you want to sit? You want to listen? Fine. But you don't, there's, you know, you, you've got some, you've got a ways to go before you know, I open up to you to let you be a part of, of this church in any way, shape or fashion. And, um, but you know, those are just kind of the things you learn, especially when you're pioneering, you're young, is you've got to, you just got to, you know, you've got to watch out that the enemy will mount a, an offense against you and a plan. And if you're, if you're not being wise about it, things will happen. You know, we, we had, a, speaking of religious people, um, we, uh, one time I, I worked, uh, at a best Western hotel as the, uh, the head maintenance guy. And like, so I would come by the church on Wednesday nights, run in, turn the air conditioners on, turn the lights on, go home and change, get my, you know, get my, uh, my preacher garb on and, um, go back up to the church and I get there on one, one Wednesday evening. And there's a 12 foot cross, uh, right across the doorway, the entrance to the, to the church. And uh, so, uh, uh, you know, I get out of my car and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, surely somebody from Jacksonville is pranking me. Somebody's, you know, somebody's trying to, you know, get me, you know, on some camera somewhere, but I couldn't find anybody. So I crawled over the cross and uh, went inside, <laughs> turned the air conditioners on and 
went back, crawled back over the cross, went home, changed, came back, the cross is still sitting there. Well, on the, on the cross is a sign that says, I'll be back. You know, I'm like, sounds ominous. Yeah, this is weird. Um, so I get back, uh, you know, in time for prayer and the, the cross is still there. And so um, I picked the cross up and carried it about 30, 30 feet down the, the uh, uh, sidewalk, dropped it off. And we went in and started having church. And all of a sudden, you know, we were in song service and some guy shows up and, and um, you know, I can tell him, said, mm, this guy, he's got, he's got that, he's got the uh, weird religious vibe. And um, so uh, I'd already been hurt a couple of times, burnt by religious people. So I didn't really have any patience at this point for him. And so afterwards he stands up and he's like, I have a message for your church. And I'm like, no, you don't. That's the door. Head on out. He's like, <laughs> he go, he's like, I'm dusting my feet of this place. And I'm like, we already dusted our feet of you long ago. Head on out, partner. Pick up your cross and head on down the road. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Wild these are these are the wild pioneering stories that that don't make uh, the Friday night conference. That's right. Yeah, these are the ones where nobody nobody explains to you before you're uh, before you're launched out into uh, your great destiny. Yeah, these these kinds of stories should be told, you know, uh, while uh, while people are laying hands on those new pioneers. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. So, so how long were you there in Palatka? Uh, a little over, a little under two years. Okay. Uh, and then- there was a there was a, a change out. We were uh, we were actually going to come back in. Um, and pastor and I have talked about it since then. Uh, and we realized that we probably didn't give it enough time, uh, you know, and, and honestly, I was probably, um, a little burnt with the things that had happened. And, and he probably just thought, Hey, this is probably our best option. Bring him back in, let him get redirected. We can send him back out again. And then there was another couple that were supposed to take the church over, uh, from us. And that didn't work out. There was, uh, some, some health issues. And then, you know, God, God is so good. He's so gracious. We didn't know that my, when we came back, back in, uh, my wife was, gosh, eight, nine months pregnant with our youngest son. And um, so about two months after he was born, um, again, to make a long story short, because it's a very long story, uh, she was diagnosed with stage four, uh, not Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, so uh, we had a three-month-old baby at home. We had a three-year-old son at home. And she was practically living uh, in the hospital with uh, surgeries and chemotherapy and then radiation treatment. And it was very, very aggressive. So the chemotherapy treatment that she was given, um, thank God, it did its job. It killed the cancer uh, and then followed with the radiation. But there were, um, there was one time in particular when uh, she just wasn't doing well. And, um, you know, the doctor, uh, doctor called me into the hallway and he, he said, he said, you may want to call your family together. I don't think we're going to bring her, be able to bring her back this time. And, um, you know, I just told him, you know, I said, I said, listen, her not coming home is not an option. You go in there, you do what you do. 
and I'm going to go down to the chapel and I'm going to do what I do. And we're going to, I'm going to pray. And God, I said, her not, I've got a three year, three year old and a three month at a hold a home at her not coming home is not an option. And, um, you know, I, I believe God recognized me, that faith, um, you know, and, and thank God for, a church and a fellowship that prays. Uh, we began to ask people all over the, all of our friends, people we know all over the world to pray. And, and, uh, and God did, God intervened. Um, you know, she is, uh, she was able to make it through that. Uh, we, we later found out that she had less than 25% chance of survival. And uh, she, they, um, they actually put her case study in, uh, in medical books uh, showing how they were able to treat the cancer and, and get her into remission. And uh, there's been some scares since then, you know, there's been, uh, you know, some things that have gone on that, um, you know, uh, were pretty scary. Uh, but, you know, we just keep plugging away because listen, you know, it's one of those, what, what do you do? You can either fold it in and, and, you know, and cry and what was me or you, you keep pressing on, you know, well, um, th- that's a little bit of foreshadowing, I think, because um, for those who know you, this has been kind of an ongoing theme <laughs> right. uh, for, for, uh, for your life. And You've reached the end of the preview of this Testimony Tuesday episode. If you want to hear the second half of this interview, please use the links in the show notes to subscribe. You'll get daily sermons, full testimonies, and an interruption-free listening experience. And every dollar goes to world evangelism. Thanks for listening to this episode of Testimony Tuesday on the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon Podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.